0: Christ Jesus and then to the shepherd, under shepherd of this house, and Reverend Dr. James Murphy Jr. to the board of directors and to all of you God's children on this revival and anniversary evening. I greet you with the words of Peter as he stood at the Mount of Transfiguration uh, located in the gospel of Matthew chapter 17, the gospel of Mark, and the gospel of Luke in chapter 9. As he stood there with James and John, the Lord Jesus Christ was transfigured before him, seeing heavenly bodies of Elijah and Moses. Peter coined these words, saying, It is good for us to be here. And I just found that any chance that God gives me to enter into his house is a good time and a good day. Amen. I bring you greetings from Old Town Alexandria. The Shallow Baptist Church many of whom will be with us tomorrow night as our choir will join us uh, tomorrow night and to the members that I do see here from Shiloh Baptist Church. God bless you. Thank you. Just wave your hands so they can see who you are. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. And to all of you God's children, um, we will be in the same scripture for the next two evenings, praying that you will see how God has a way by the power of his spirit to speak different revelations through the same word. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, the eighth chapter. And when you get to the eighth chapter, come down to verse 22. We will be reading from verses 22 and through 26. The Gospel of Mark chapter 8 verses 22 through 26 when you are there you can say amen. amen amen this is the word of god from the new king james version then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him so he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything, and he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you would be so kind and just turn to your neighbor, either on your right or your left or behind you, if you don't have a neighbor to turn to, I invite you to take your phone, put it on selfie mode, and talk to yourself. But talk to somebody, amen, and say neighbor or self. God desires that you walk by faith. You may be seated in the presence of our Lord. God of heaven, we thank you this evening for everything that you are. We ask now, Lord God, that as you have set the atmosphere for worship, that, Lord God, all of our faculties would be open to receive you this evening and what it is you desire to say. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. I prayed as I prayed many times before. I'm not able and competent and sufficient of the task that stands before thee. However, with your help of the Holy Ghost, allow your word to come forth with power and conviction. For truly, Lord, drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love that I owe. Dear Lord, I give myself away. It's all that I can do. This is my prayer in the perfect, precious, and powerful name of him who is Jesus. And it's for his cause. Let the church say amen. (coughs) Walking by faith. Setting of our text is a town by the name of Bethsaida. It's located on the northeast shore of the Sea of Galilee, right by the mouth or the opening of the Jordan River. The name of the town means House of Fish. This is the hometown, home village of Peter, Andrew, and Philip. They find themselves at this place after they have experienced a miracle. Here it is, Jesus has done something phenomenal in their eyes in the fact that he took two fish and five loaves and fed 5,000, not including the women and the children. And after that, Jesus takes a leisure stroll on the Sea of Galilee, telling them to meet him on the other side. And as they come to this place called Bethsaida, here it is, our text says that this they brought a blind man to him. We don't know anything about the they. We don't know how many are in the they. We don't even know where the they are from. We don't know if the they are are comprised of men and women. It would be assumed by scholars, given this patriarchal society, that they would be men, but possibly some sisters could have been in the group. We don't know too much about them, but what we do know about them is that they came on one accord and beg Jesus to touch someone who was blind. The word that is used here in the Greek is called parakaleo. It's the same word that Paul uses in Romans 12 when he says, therefore, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. Parakaleo means to beseech, to ask earnestly. It can also be transliterated as to pray. So here it is, these unknown people come and ask Jesus, or rather beg Jesus, or pray to Jesus, and ask him to touch this blind man. The point of the matter is the fact that it does not matter who gets the credit or what your name is, but it matters what you do that is beautiful in the eyes of God. Trust me,
1: it's good to come to God by yourself. There is nothing wrong with you going into prayer in your solitude, in the confines of your prayer closet and your home. But there is something when the people of God get together with one mind and one focus, with one purpose and one goal and one mission. And here we have a group of people that have come together with one mind and one focus, and that is to get this blind man to Jesus. They bring the blind man to Jesus because they are on one accord. I said it's good for you to be by yourself, but there is something about being with the saints of God because Jesus says where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he would be. And when two or three are gathered together in his name with the same purpose and the same goal and the same mind, the Bible tells us, that the King of glory shall come in. And I have a question this evening for the Little Zion Church. Uh, Is there anybody here who desires that the King of glory would make his presence known this evening? Is there anybody here who desires that the King of glory shall come in? into this tabernacle. Is there anybody here who desires that the Shekinah glory of God would fall in this tabernacle where the Bible says to lift up your heads uh, O ye gates uh, and be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors uh, and the king of glory shall come in. That means if everybody has the same mind and the same focus with the same spirit with the same desire and the same expectation for God to move the Bible bible says the king of glory shall come in i thought i was in revival maybe you don't know who the king of glory is who is the king of glory He's the Lord God strong and mighty, the Lord God mighty in battle. And when you learn to open your mouth with the spirit of the living God that lives on the inside of you, having no other agenda but to worship him who is worthy and holy, the promise of God is that he will make his presence known. So i ask ask again, is there anybody here who desires that the king of glory would make his presence known. Now, who is this king of glory? He's the Lord God strong and mighty, the Lord God mighty in battle. When you come on one accord, God says, I will show up in the midst and be with you. I'm just walking through the text. but it is, this day comes and asks Jesus to touch him. And what I love about this is we still don't know who this day is the problem with the contemporary and modern day church is that everybody wants some sense of recognition there is no name given to the day we don't know who they are but we know what they did perhaps The glory of god will fall in the church if people will come to church not looking for their name to be called not looking for any type of recognition not looking to receive any kind of honor but what they have is a focus on jesus and the truth is when you darken the doors of the church. Nobody even needs to know your name. In fact, you don't even have to know my name because my name is not the one who's exalted. Every time we gather together, there is only one name that should be proclaimed, and that name is the name by which men and women shall be saved. That name is the name by which demons tremble and flee. That name is the name with which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. When you gather, the name that you should be concerned about is the name of Jesus. Here it is, they come, these they, and bring a blind man to Jesus. Here it is, we see what it means now for them to walk by faith. If you... Going to do anything for God? In this short span of life that we have on this side. I promise you that it must be done by faith. We know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But if we can be candid and frank, and be honest tonight, sometimes it's difficult and challenging to walk by faith. Come on, where my church folk at? I said sometimes it's hard to walk by faith because there is a level of comfort that we like to dwell in, uh, not having our extremities uh, and our environments and our nice, quiet, little, fixed lives exposed or uh, bothered. We like everything the way it is, but when you are walking with God, God will make you uncomfortable because he's trying to grow you. Can I help you understand something? If you're going to walk by faith, the one thing that you must do is that you must be willing to walk without understanding. you got to be willing to walk without understanding. I'm right here in the text. It says uh, they brought the blind man, Jesus, hoping that God would touch him, and Jesus does something that neither they nor the blind man understand. He took the blind man by the hand, led him out of town. They brought the man to Jesus. Jesus took the man and left them. They they wanted the man to touch, be touched by Jesus. They, They wanted him to have his sight restored. But what Jesus does is take the blind man by the hand away from the people he's been dependent on and move them to a remote location that we do not know where they are. What am I saying? Sometimes God will do things that absolutely makes no sense because the God we serve is not a logical God. He does not work by human logic. He has declared that his ways are higher than our ways. And truth is God will do stuff that doesn't make sense. I can understand that with the but here's the thing. He takes the blind man away from the people that he's comfortable with, and before he says a word to him, he spits on him. Is that in your Bible? Um he took him away. Spit on him. Then put his hands on him. Then asked him if he saw anything. I know that the man didn't have the capability to call Uber or Lyft to get him from the city to the remote places, which means there was a time period that lapsed from when he was in the city and now walked outside of the city. It may have been a short distance, but they were walking, and it probably felt like an eternity. And in this walk with God, God is silent. Greater little Zion, what do you do when God is silent? What do you do when you come to Jesus and the one who is the living word seemingly doesn't have a word for you? What what do you do when God is quiet? When you know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but when you crack open your Bible, the Spirit is not revealing anything to you, and there's nothing but silence. Even if God is talking, it seems like you cannot hear because the connection is distorted. You know, sometimes I'm in my a doctoral class, and we do things, teleconference, and, and there was one time when I logged on the class, and I saw my professor, and I saw the rest of my cohort speaking about the issue at hand. The uh, problem was I could see them. I could see their mouths moving, but I couldn't hear them. I was trying to figure out, was there a technical difficulty on my part? I mean, I saw them talking, I saw them communicating, but I could not hear him. And then sometimes in the walk of faith, it's almost as if if God is talking, somebody must have pressed the mute button on heaven. Because I'm unable to hear, church, what do you do? And the living word has no word for you. Can I give it to you real quick? You keep on walking. He might not be saying anything, but you've got to understand who it is you're walking with. He might not have spoken yet, but you've got to keep on walking. Why must you keep on walking? Because you've heard enough about him to trust him that even if he's not talking to me, at least he's got my hand. Come on, I thought I was in church. I may not be understand what he's saying, but he's got me by the hand, I'm in your Bible. He said it takes him by the hand and walks him outside of the city. You must understand at this point, the fame of Jesus has begun to spread. People know about the miracles that he has done. They did this without all the modalities that we have of communication and media of this contemporary age, but people heard about Jesus And what they heard about Jesus was enough for them to try Jesus to see if what they heard about him was true. So this blind man can find comfort in walking outside of the city with Jesus because he's heard enough about Jesus to at least try him to see if he is who everybody says he is. The question that I have for you this evening as we sit here in church is that what have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard anything about my Lord? Have you heard anything about my Savior? What have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard that he's the God of justice? Have you heard that he is the just God? Have you heard that he can reclaim your time? For the years that you thought you lost, he can give them back to you and make you better than you were before. What have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard that he has a way of making provision when it seems to be no way to be made? What have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard that he'll be your battle axe and he'll go before you? He will be your banner over you. What have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard in the time of confusion, he'll give you a peace that surpasses all understanding? What have you heard about my God? Have you heard anything about Jesus? Have you heard that in the time of trouble, he'll hide you in the secret place of his tabernacle? What have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard that he's a way maker, a promise keeper? Have you heard that he's a provider? Have you heard that he's a miracle worker? Have you heard that he's your light in the darkness? Have you heard that he's your light and salvation, your God, your refuge, and your strength? Have you heard that he's a present help in the time of trouble? Have you heard that he is a rock and refuge? Have you heard that he is a strong tower? Have you heard that his name has power? What have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard that he'll make everything all right? Have you heard that his name is all right? Have you heard that he may not come when you want him, but at the time you want him, he'll always be on time? Is there anybody in here this evening that's heard anything about my God? Well, if you heard something about him, keep on walking. Because at some point, what you heard about him will be confirmed. Because what you heard about him will now become true because we sit in a position that the blind man does not. Jesus is walking him out of the city, and he continues to walk with Jesus because of what he heard. But you and I walk with Jesus because of what we know. I thought I was in church. It's one thing to hear something about somebody. It's another thing to know somebody. I can hear something about you, but when I know you for myself, that gives me the strength and the security to keep on walking. You must understand we are the post-crucifixion and the post-resurrection church. We are the ones that know how the story ends. We are the ones who understand the power of God, and we have an advantage over everybody that lived before Jesus. They may have seen him in the flesh, but we have him in the spirit. I'm just a Bible preacher. The Bible says in Romans 8 that the spirit of him who raised God from the dead now lives in you, which means if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord and you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, not only will you be saved, but God will take which is holy, the naus of God, and put it inside of you, which means the same spirit that caused a stone to roll away is the same spirit that lives in you. Therefore, in the trial of faith, you need to learn to keep on walking because not only have you heard anything about him, but you know something about him. And it helps you to walk when you know who's holding your hand. So the question I have for you now is do you know who holds your hand? Do you know the hand that you hold? Do you know that this hand has separated seas? Do you know that this hand has put the constellations in the atmosphere? Do you know that this hand has given the cartography to the shape of the earth? Do you know this hand has put the earth on a tilted axis to make it turn around in a kind of clockwise speed to make sure it goes around the sun and you never feel the earth move from underneath you? Do you know the hand that you hold? Do you know that you hold the hand of power? Do you know that this hand took the bread, broke it, gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do you know who holds your hand? Do you know that this hand has taken dead things, put his hand on it, told it to get up, and it did everything that he said it was going to do? Do you know the hand you hold? Do you know that this hand has experience with suffering? This hand has experience with pain? That this hand has an interesting way of understanding everything that you need? I just want to encourage you that as you walk by faith, understand the hand that you hold. Because the hand that you hold said he'll never leave you. He also said he'll never forsake you. He said that he would be with you to the very end of the age. You got to know the hand you hold. There is not a situation on earth that this hand does not know about. This hand knows about rejection because he came to his own, but his own received him not. This hand knows about abandonment because when he was on Calvary's cross, everybody else deserted and left him. This hand knows about betrayal because the one who took the bread after him was the one that sold him for 30 shekels of silver. This hand knows what it is to experience shame because the Bible says that it was on one Friday around the ninth hour that he was at the place of Golgotha, the place of the skulls. We heard the old preacher say they hung him high and they stretched him wide that he hung his head and for him he died but i told you about the hand that you hold it's a bloody hand it's a holy hand it's a hand that knows power because early sunday morning this hand got all power in his hand and now this hand is at the right hand of god interceding for you and me. Is there anybody in here this evening who understands that the hand you hold is a mighty hand? So even as you walk by faith, please remember to take the hand of Jesus and make sure you hold on to God's hand. There may be things you don't know, but hold on to his hand I heard Ira Stamphill say many things about tomorrow I may not seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Oh, that didn't work for y'all. I forgot y'all are Baptist church. So let me tell you about this hand. Time is filled with swift transition. None on earth unmoved can stand. Build your hopes uh, on things eternal and uh, hold on to God's unchanging hand. Uh, trust in him uh, who will not leave you whatsoever years may bring. Uh, if by earthly friends forsaken, uh, still more closely to him clean. Uh, you got to hold his hand. You need to learn to hold his hand. Uh, covet not uh, this world's vain riches. Uh, that so rapidly decay. Seek to gain your heavenly treasures because they will never pass away. And if you need a reason, another reason why you hold the hand of God, because when this thing is over, you need to learn to hold his hand and to hold on to his unchanging hand. Hallelujah. Take him by the hand and keep on walking. Take him by the hand and keep on trusting, take him by the hand, and don't let go. Because the last verse says, when your journey is completed, if to God you have been true, fair and bright, your home in glory, your interruption, so shall do. Is there anybody in here who's going to hold his hand? Is there anybody here who's not going to let go? hold his hand, hold his hand, keep on trusting, keep on believing, and uh, hold to God's unchanging, unmoving, steadfast, unmovable, powerful, redeeming, forgiving, grace and mercy-filled hand, If you know you're going to hold his hand, why don't you wave your hand in the air and say, Lord, hold my hand. Lord, hold my hand. Don't let me go and hold unto God's unchanging hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His hand is a hand of power. It's a hand that is steady, that even in the silence of God, that I do not understand, I will always hold on because I know enough about him not to let him go. In the
0: name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit,
1: may God bless you and may God keep you.
0: Listen, I understand that we're all here on this Thursday evening, but perhaps it is the case that we may be in church, but we have yet to say yes unto God. We've been coming to church, we've been part of the fellowship, but we still haven't given God